Hey listeners, did you know that you can now listen to Divorce and Beyond on your favorite audiobook platform, Audible? If you're like me and you love your audiobooks along with your podcasts, this is a great time to check out Audible memberships. They have two levels, Audible Plus and Audible Premium Plus. You right now can get a free trial of Audible Plus, and if you decide to subscribe to Audible Premium Plus, you will also get up to two free audiobooks. So go to the links in the show notes to get these special offers, and I'll see you over on Audible. So I wanted to let those of you who are colleagues or who are out there working to build a business know that I recently launched a new podcast. It's called the Make Money Mediating Podcast. And although it says make money mediating, it's really intended to help you build the successful business of your dreams, whatever it is that you are in business to do. In this new podcast, I share not only my own personal tips from growing and building several new businesses over the years, but also I bring on some of the top experts in all related fields who are gonna share their wisdom to help you build that dream business and to achieve success however you define it. Be sure to tune in and listen and let me know what you think. You can find the podcast on all your favorite podcast outlets, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, Stitcher, and more. Or you can just go to the website at makemoneymediating.podbean.com. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. What I tell clients or or people that that I encounter is, how do you feel when you're in their presence? Do you feel drained? Or do you feel energized? If you feel drained, then then the person that you're with is sucking the life out of you. <laughs> They're sucking the life out of you, which is also very similar to narcissism, right? Because as I mentioned, psychopaths are narcissists. Sociopaths are narcissists. So the differences are very subtle. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process. So listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today we have a really interesting one for you folks. We have had episode after episode on divorcing a narcissist, how to heal after a narcissist, dealing with narcissistic abuse, um, and you know that there's a great deal of information now about narcissism out there for everyone. But today, my guest is going to talk about the rise of the sociopath. She has expertise and a deep understanding of something that I think is becoming either more known or more common um, is that we are seeing the, well, as I said, the rise of the sociopath, the rise of antisocial personality disorder, some of the even more malignant. sociopathies or, um, 
you know, behaviors that you may be experiencing. So I'm very excited. She has one of the most interesting careers and backgrounds of any guest I've ever had on the show. And with 300 episodes, folks, you know that saying a lot. But Carrie is an award-winning author. She's also a criminal and family law attorney. And she has, oh gosh, she's been on so many national television shows, radio shows. She's an expert on motorcycle gangs, right? Not my usual guest. (laughs) Some of you are going, well, what does that have to do? I don't know. Think about this, what it might have to do with the rise of the sociopath, Um, the pathology of the criminal mind. And she works with aspiring true crime writers. So for any of you out there, get in touch with her. She's also been a keynote speaker on gang task force um, conferences. She's a national speaker at writing conferences, and she's been catch the names of some of the shows that she has been on. A Widow's American Greed, A Widow's Web, A&E's Gangland, Behind Enemy Lines, the American Heroes Channel, Code and Conspiracies, Investigation ID, and the Discovery Channel's Deadly Devotion. So these are... (laughs) This is, you've got plenty to do to follow up with Carrie. Her, my guest today is Carrie Drovan, and I'm so delighted to have her here today to talk with her, me about, and you about this, this actually serious topic. Um, but first, I thank you so much, Carrie, for making the time to visit with us. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. It's a subject near and dear to my heart. Yes. Well, and I would imagine, I mean, just with the various roles that you've had, I certainly can uh, commiserate and, you know, understand some of the difficult behaviors uh, that we might run into as divorce attorneys. But as a criminal law attorney, I think you probably have an even deeper understanding. What is it that they say? When you're a criminal law attorney, you see the worst people on their best behavior. And when you're a divorce attorney, you see the best people at their worst behavior. So you get all of it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I wanted to cover all spectrums. (laughs) Yeah. You didn't want to leave anything out. So you went for probably, I would say, the two toughest areas of law to deal with. And you decided to specialize in both of them. So bravo to you. I know that's given you a great deal of understanding into the psychopathy around, you know, sociopath, antisocial personality disorder, just this step beyond perhaps what we're here. We hear so often these days, you know, I'm divorcing a narcissist. I said, I've done a myriad of shows. So, you know, maybe we could start with just what is your understanding definition of a sociopath? So the um, the interesting thing about uh, sociopathy is it does have a lot of similarities to narcissism, and so does the psychopath. So the three are oftentimes interchanged, but they're actually different. And so one of the ways that I think is helpful to identify the differences is that every psychopath and sociopath is a narcissist, but not every psychopath is a sociopath, and not every sociopath is a psychopath. So those are the, the, the underlying differences. And the other way to really differentiate is that a sociopath is, is learned behavior. A psychopath, the antisocial personality disorder is born. And that makes it particularly chilling because there's no way to really rehabilitate or cure 
a psychopath, whereas a sociopath, they're really um, more focused on guilt and shame, whereas a psychopath really doesn't have any guilt, shame, or remorse. So those are like the really sort of basic, you know, they, they do bad things and they don't care, whereas right. a sociopath might do something bad and they might care only because they might worry about their reputation. They might have some guilt over it. They might have some shame over it, but the, the psychopath just simply doesn't care. They're, they're sort of like the equivalent of the white shark, the white oh. shark in the water. So it's, um, so it's interesting. So, I mean, if you have the degrees, probably, <laughs> probably the best out of the three is the narcissist. <laughs> so okay, that's, that's the first time my listeners have heard that, but yes. So just a right. garden variety narcissist is actually of the three, probably the least right. malignant. And the, the interesting thing about um, a sociopath, and again, a lot of these terms are interchangeable, but they are, they are distinct. And a sociopath, one in 25 people is a sociopath. And that's kind of chilling. And they, they are among us. They are the uh, CEOs, the doctors, the lawyers, <laughs> the, the cop, not you know, they, they, they're among us. They are. So, and, and most of them are not in prison. So, you know, we're, we're going to encounter a sociopath. Many of us already have, you know, they're, they're very impulsive. They're very uh, manipulative. They don't have responsibility or they don't take responsibility for things. They just, they, they feel things differently than what we would consider the normal person. So, um, you know, they, they will take hostages I call them, they will take hostages and they will do anything to hook you. So that's very similar to a narcissist, right? So there's a very much of an overlap there. Um, they're very manipulative. They can be violent, but not necessarily. And the violence is mostly psychological. So that's where it can get very tricky. So they have what, what has been dubbed the mask of sanity. And so the mask of sanity is... It's almost as if they can mimic good behavior or what the behavior is supposed to be, but they don't actually feel that behavior. Whereas a psychopath doesn't care, right? A psychopath is your charmer. They're like the Ted Bundys. They're incredibly charming. They sweep you off your feet, but then a lot of times so does a narcissist. So you see there's some lot of overlap there. Right. Um, so that's where it gets a little bit scary and, and dangerous to be in the company of them. So um, I, I always like to look at it in, in the media, right? We have like all these um, wonderful examples in the media of, of narcissists on television and sociopaths slash psychopaths. So, you know, some of my favorite, Dexter, for example. <laughs> Which one right? is he? Um, <laughs> is easy, right? But, but people like him, right? Why do they like him? He's got something likable about him. But he is, he's a, he's a sociopath, right? Um, and because he actually has some kind of, you know, shame or guilt over the actions that he does and sort of justifies what he does by killing the, the bad people, right? Whereas a psychopath would be more like Jeffrey Dahmer or Ted Bundy, right? Because they have that charming element to them. You know, we, we've all identified what narcissists are in, in television. For example, uh, Devil Wears Prada. You know, you have uh, Miranda Priestley. I'm using women specifically because a lot of us identify or associate the men as narcissists, but women, of course, can be narcissistic as well. Mm -hmm. um, Snow White, right? The Wicked Witch is yes. a narcissist. Um, Angelina Jolie, right? Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, 
And don't get me started on Disney's Prince Charming because yeah. those are, in my opinion, many, many, I mean, okay, many, if not all of the Prince Charmings in Disney are at the very least narcissistic. But, you know, you look at the, at the latest one, Frozen, that Prince Charming is a psychopath, borderline personality disorder, you know, all kinds of issues with that prince. So, I mean, so if you, if you look all around us, we are completely surrounded by the very people that we really don't want anything to do with. So it's a, it's an interesting dichotomy there. So what I'm hearing you say, and I find this really interesting because we, we have talked about on, on prior episodes, sort of that love bombing phase that narcissists go through where they draw you in and it's all so wonderful. And, and I'm hearing more of that around sociopaths and psychopaths, maybe more so sociopaths, but that ability, well, you said, um, psychopaths are charming. So, and if it's one in 25, we all do know psychopaths and sociopaths. We are, we are surrounded by them. If you think about how many people, you know, way more than 25 people. Um, how do you start to know that you, that, that someone has these behaviors, um, especially when you're in a relationship with them? Right. So that's, that's the scary part because you're not going to know that right off the bat. Um, they're very manipulative, very, um, you know, this is, this is their real house is, is taking on the mask. Right. I mean, for example, I always call the, the psychopath slash sociopath anti-personality disorder person. If, if you're in the presence of a psychopath, you are in the presence of somebody who is a chameleon. They're extremely charming. They will be whoever you want them to be. And so you're not going to identify that right away. They're going to learn everything about you. They're going to love what you love, hate what you hate. They're going to convince you that they're normal. And that's the scary part. So you really have to be on your game when you're in the presence of of these guys. They're going to love you to death. So what does that sound like? That sounds like a narcissist, right? love bombing. So the, what I tell, what I tell clients or or people that I, that I encounter is how do you feel when you're in their presence? Do you feel drained or do you feel energized? If you feel drained, then, then the person that you're with is sucking the life out of you. (laughs) They're sucking the life out of you, which is also very similar to narcissism, right? Because as I mentioned, psychopaths are narcissists, sociopaths are narcissists. So the differences are very subtle, but what you will see in a psychopath is they will, they will craft a story that seems so outrageous. They're going to craft the story. They're going to say it with a smile. You're going to find things in their background that aren't adding up because they don't really have an identity. They, they take on the identity or persona that you want them to be, right? So they could tell you they'll move in with you really quickly. They will, they'll tell you that they're in between jobs. And if you go and do investigation on them, you find out they really never had any jobs or drifting. You know, they'll, you'll be in a situation where you could be married to somebody and, and won't mention any names <laughs> for a very long time and start to notice things that don't start to add up. They're gone for long periods of time. They might tell you that they work for the CIA or they work <laughs> under or they, you know, they work as a police officer and they're out, you know, they're on call outs. 
They're in working an investigation. They're, they're working something where you cannot quite identify or, or account for their time, which is very interesting. I mean, and it's, and it's destabilizing at first, okay? Because you, you want to believe them, but something is not adding up. Um, and the whole idea of wearing the mask of sanity is you pay attention to how they are emoting. If there's a death in the family, for example, are they behaving appropriately? Are they, um, and, and I, I think most of us have seen The Undoing, for example. Yes. Have you seen that movie, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I love that movie because I felt for the first time, here I here I'm vindicated, right? I'm another intelligent woman who is married to a charming, intelligent man. They seem to have a perfect life. I mean, she didn't discover what was wrong with him. Um, and for viewers or, or listeners that don't know that story, she's a, an accomplished psychologist married to, um, I think, a, a doctor, an oncologist, a pediatric oncologist, I believe. Um, they have this charming life. And then she discovers through the course of the film that, you know, her husband is not who she thought he was. And so you find out little pieces of that. And in her case, it was, you know, there was the death of somebody in his family and he didn't have an appropriate reaction to it. So those are tells, you know, how is somebody reacting? Are they uh, empathetic? Are they sending flowers? Are they wanting to go to the funeral? A lot of times they miss these cues. So a sociopath and a psychopath will miss those cues. So they're looking at you to show them what the correct or appropriate action is. They're looking to you really for feeling. So I had a client once uh, describe it this way. And, and he was, you know, a self-described psychopath. And he said, um, he goes, I don't really feel fear. I don't feel fear. It's almost like I don't have any nerve endings that that give me that fear, but he says, I know what it looks like. So he can pretend to be afraid, but he doesn't actually feel it himself. And so when you're in the company of somebody like that long enough, they start to feel, um, you, you start to feel like you're experiencing them rather than having a relationship with them. If that makes sense, like it you does. Literally, can walk away and you feel like you're there's something icky about them. <laughs> icky is a very it. legal phrase, everybody. <laughs> we learned that one in law school. But you used the word chilling earlier, and that's what I'm I'm thinking of as you're describing this is a very chilling feeling of being sort of a subject of being studied, mm-hmm. and then somebody not at all being who they present, but presenting what it is that, you know, they've, they've in their view of me decided that that's what I want, that they're reflecting back what they think I'm looking for or what you're looking for. But some people might be saying, Hey, you know, somebody who's doing all the things I want them to do. What's wrong with this? He, he's acting nice. He's holding doors for me. She's likes the things that I like. What's the downside? Uh, what is the danger here? Well, the danger is, I mean, um, if you're talking about a sociopath, the, the danger really is that they don't have any empathy. And so if you're in a relationship with a sociopath, and, and granted, I mean, I said this at the outset, I mean, one in 25 of us are, right? So they actually can be very effective in the work setting, for example. I mean, if you take, an, a, lawyer, take a lawyer, If a lawyer is a sociopath, 
they're, they're a very effective lawyer in the courtroom. They don't have any empathy. So they're not really emotionally invested in the case that they're trying. Sure. They, they don't have any sense of um, what is appropriate or inappropriate behavior because they just feel things differently. So they could be a very effective employee, but they're not especially friendly or um, they're not going to participate in the, in the office party, but they're going to be an effective employee. Now, would you want that in a relationship? I mean, you would assume that in a relationship, you want a partnership, a give and take, an equal footing where you're both like emoting and both having conversations about the future and both feeling things. So in a situation like that, a a sociopath is not going to give you any of that. In fact, they're going to wear the mask, right? They're not going to have a very real identity. You're not going to have a very real relationship. And it's going to become frustrating for the person that actually has emotions and empathy to be in the company of this person, because it's very much like being in the company of of a stranger, I guess is the way to say it. And the reason that it's, it can become dangerous for somebody in that kind of relationship is one, oftentimes they will stray. So they cheat, they look for you know, some kind of thrill. I mean, they don't really see anything wrong with that. You know, they'll go and and look for another relationship or start fostering another relationship and not realize the damage that they're going to do to the person in that relationship. So a lot of the abuse is psychological because they don't feel anything. And so that can backfire on the other person that's having a relationship because you're, you know, you're constantly wondering, you know, trying to, you know, you're never enough for that person. So it's very similar to being in a narcissistic relationship because again, they have the same qualities as a narcissist, but they don't really feel anything for what they're doing. So their actions can be very harmful and hurtful in that respect. It can also lead to to much more insidious things like domestic violence. You know, I mean, they can become violent. So some of that, they don't care. (laughs) There's not that, that empathy. There's not that barrier that tells them, hey, this is wrong. Or this is, you know, inappropriate behavior. So it can become a dangerous situation for somebody who's in that um, predicament because they're not responding the way that you expect them to respond. Going back to television, for example, right? They can be, I mean, as you mentioned, you can be in a relationship with someone, Dexter, for example, right? He had relationships. His wives, his girlfriends, you know, loved him. The audience loved him, but look what he did when he wasn't, you know, actually emoting. He didn't have the same emotions. It didn't, nothing stopped him or prevented him from going off and committing these violent crimes, right? Um, Tony Soprano is another classic sociopath, right? We loved him, but he was at his very core, at his very heart, a criminal. And he saw nothing wrong with what he was doing to his family dynamic or to, you know, keeping the other family, the mafia family in check. So there's lots of danger there. And so you compare someone like Tony Soprano and Dexter, someone like Joffrey. Okay. So Joffrey in Game of Thrones. Right. Is the epitome. That little bastard. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so he's the epitome of the psychopath. But again, I mean, you know, and, and he, he truly was, I mean, I look at him and I say he personifies the, the psychopath. Some might call him a sociopath because he lacks that charm. So there's a lot of overlap there. But, you know, the thing about these, these characters is there is something repellent about them. And it's very hard at first to actually identify what that is or to put your finger on it because you're right. In, in your mind, you're thinking, well, this person seems to be doing everything that I want them to do, right? Right. But there's a disconnect there. And so, you know, in, in, in taking those characters that I mentioned, they were in relationships, but there's 
there is that disconnect. And so that's really the chilling element of it. You know, I mean, you don't want to be in relationships with people like that because it can lead to emotional poverty. It can lead to physical abuse. It can lead to all kinds of psychological abuse, you know, where people are in these relationships for years and they don't realize it. And then the psychological damage for the fallout that happens when you get divorced from these people and divorcing them is a whole nother story, right? you know? So I mean, it's a, there are lots of component layers upon layers of components to that, that, that make it dangerous and undesirable. Are you considering or going through a divorce and have lots of questions, but not a lot of resources? Join Your Divorce Squad's Ultimate Divorce Webinar on Friday, February 3rd. In one hour, you'll go from, I don't know, to I've got this. Meet your squad. Divorce prep specialist, Alex Beattie. Parenting plan expert, Samantha Boss. Divorce recovery coach, Lee Marie Mazur. And financial coach, Ebony Byrne. These four sought-after divorce coaches have teamed up to make helping women save time and money during divorce easy and affordable. During the webinar, you'll be able to ask each coach questions, learn mistakes to avoid, get tips and tools to make your divorce journey easier, gain clarity, and more. Learn about the event and register at www.yourdivorcesquad.com. Space is limited, so sign up today. Divorce is hard. Your Divorce Squad makes it easier. Stay tuned for more from best-selling author Carrie Drobin, who helps you dive into the scary world of divorcing a sociopath, or worse, a psychopath. Who better than a criminal law attorney who's been there herself to help you get through? victims or you know clients will come to me and they'll they'll be completely destroyed they're like shells and they they almost can't fight anymore and so i will tell them figure out how you're going to focus on you figure out how you're going to keep to what it is that you want at the end game and do not get distracted by all of these other antics that the psychopath and sociopath are going to throw at you because they don't care right and their their job right now is to destroy you If you are finding this episode with Carrie helpful and are struggling to divorce a narcissist or a spouse who exhibits high conflict behaviors, we have a number of fantastic episodes to help you from the top experts in the world, including Bill Eddy, Tracy Malone, and Tina Swithin of One Mom's Battle. To make it easy, just go to the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com and click on the menu item for divorce topics and then narcissism and high conflict to find them all in one place. And now we return to today's show. And you just mentioned trying to divorce one. We know divorcing a narcissist is a whole new level of of hell, but when you take it, the you know that step even further into um, a sociopath or a psychopath, I, I would imagine as with you know any type of domestic violence, the most dangerous time is when you try to leave. I would imagine sociopaths and psychopaths don't take rejection very well. You're absolutely right, and that is probably the most dangerous because they've been outed right? They're, they're disguised, their mask of sanity is falling away. And now they've got to, you know, so, so the game amps up and it becomes even more dangerous for the, the victim of, 
of one of these characters, because what happens is, I mean, imagine narcissism on steroids. I mean, there is something called covert narcissism, which is really another, it's really another name for sociopathy. I mean, that is the sociopath. It's somebody that, you know, you you don't even, you don't even see them coming. And, And when you get in a divorce situation with one of these characters, I always tell clients, I'm like, you're never really divorced from them. Like there's this, this lingering, horrifying thing that the dynamic that they have set up with you is going to continue and it's going to be a fight. And I've had, I've had clients say to me, I don't want to fight. You know, I just want my kids. I don't want to fight. And my response to them is this is the biggest fight of your life. (laughs) This is, if if there's ever been a time to fight, it's now, but, but there's a way to fight. And just like there's a way to fight a narcissist. I mean, the sociopath is a narcissist on steroids. But they they don't have any empathy or feeling or remorse or anything. And so they don't care how much they're going to ruin your life. Whereas a narcissist is always worried about his the way he, he's perceived, his reputation, right? He doesn't want to look bad. And so when he's in litigation, he's doing everything to not look bad, to, to make the victim look, you know, look bad, like she's doing all the work. The sociopath really doesn't have that, that same barometer. No filter. No, no. filter. So yeah. the amount of damage that he can do during divorce is horrific. I mean, it's a, you know, tracking social media, um, you know, taking you down. I mean, that's, that's their job. They want to take you down and out. Crush you. And, yeah. And so that's the time where, where they start amping it up and, and it doesn't matter to them. It just doesn't matter to them. The kids will become a prop become a pawn in your thing. I mean, they don't want to see the kids. I mean, I, I even had one, one case, probably the worst case I've ever seen of a sociopath in operation was he offered to, to sell the kids. To the <laughs> he offered spouse? To sell or- the kids. Yeah. He, he fought and fought to get the kids. And then eventually said, um, if you pay me X, Y, Z, you know, you can the have kids. them. Yeah. You can have them. So it's, it really is the worst of humanity when you're, when you're going through a divorce situation with a, a psychopath. Now, a psychopath can get dangerous. I mean, so can a sociopath, but a sociopath is much more cagey. They usually will stay within what they can, what they can do in the parameter of the law, whereas a psychopath doesn't care. And those are the ones who will come after you and, and, you know, kill the spouse or, you know, set them up, or stalk them. Um, so that's always a, a, a component of it. So it's, it's really interesting to navigate those, those three, call them myopathies, yes. <laughs> those three areas, because there is a lot of overlap, but you know, the more amped up you get, the more that you're in the presence of, you know, I call that Prince Charming. The psychopath is, is the Prince Charming that is sustained on one level, right? The narcissist is oftentimes the Prince Charming in the beginning. In the very beginning, where they're love bombing you and telling you the most amazing thing in the world, then it fades. They get bored with you. Whereas the psychopath is always going to stay there. He's always charming, and he's charming everyone around him, just like just like Ted Bundy, if you can envision that. Yeah. You know, fooled everybody. So it's it's really um, fascinating and chilling to be in the presence of, of these characters and watch them in operation and realize that there's there's really no way to rationalize with that. No. We have to kind of meet them on a different level. Well, and so that actually leads to sort of where I was thinking, because you mentioned in what you just said that there 
are ways to protect yourself or to, to work within this construct. If you know that this is what you are dealing with or ways at least to try to protect yourself. Um, so let's, let's dive into that a bit. You know, what would your advice be to someone who's dealing with this level of, um, psychopathy that didn't come out right. Yeah. I mean, no, and there's, there's definitely, I mean, the the first thing I would say is, uh, you have to have a strategy. You have to know going in. I mean, I think anybody that is, um, going through a divorce or wanting to get a divorce, they have to, first of all, vet the attorney vet the attorney and make sure that they know that that attorney has dealt with sociopathy. They've, they've dealt with pathology. They know what to expect because these guys are, are masters at manipulation. Um, they're going to con the judge, con, you know, the opposing counsel there. I mean, if, if you're not astute to this, you're going to fall right into that trap. Right. So the first thing I tell them is be prepared to fight, be prepared to have a strategy And one of those strategies is always focus on the leverage. Like what, what do they have? (laughs) What do they have that they absolutely will crush them if it gets exposed? You know, in every case is different, but figure out what it is. And I always ask clients, what is the hot button? Is it the money? Is it the kids? Usually it's the money. Sometimes it's just torturing the the person, (laughs) but, you know, figure out what that is because that is your ticket. If you have that kind of leverage, um, and then don't lose focus because what happens in a lot of these, um, divorce proceedings is their, their job. I mean, their way of fighting their modus operandi, if you will, is to constantly distract, deflect, you know, um, destroy. And so they will change the narrative of the litigation very quickly. So that you're, you're basically, uh, you know, having to dance around whatever issue pops up. And so I have found, I mean, a lot of victims or, you know, clients will come to me and they'll, they'll be completely destroyed. They're like shells and they, they almost can't fight anymore. And so I will tell them, you know, figure out how you're going to focus on you, figure out how you're going to keep, you know, keep to what it is that you want at the end game and do not get distracted by all of these other antics that the psychopath and sociopath are going to throw at you because they don't care. Right. And their, their job right now is to destroy you. So, so that's huge. The other thing I tell them is, I mean, there's, there's gotta be a a way you got to keep a communication going because you got to communicate with these people, but have the communication be extremely brief. So what they'll do is they'll, I mean, talk about love bombing, right. They'll email bomb the person, they'll rile them up, to the point yes. where, you know, I've, I've had clients say, I, I don't even know, they'll fire back responses and the response that they're firing back is now evidence in the case. <laughs> so, so, so I actually have scripts that I give clients, like this is how you respond to an email. Okay. Brief, uh, to the point, answer the question, do not give extraneous information, right? Just don't give them leverage. Like we've got to keep the leverage. Don't give them the leverage. So, you know, I, I teach them ways of, of navigating this. It's like a minefield. And, and the other way of doing this, you have to educate the judge because a lot yeah. of these judges are conned, you know, yeah. I mean, you gotta educate the judge on what is this pathology? Because it is so foreign to most people. And, and when a, when a person is going through it or living through it, you know, um, 
I can speak from personal experience, but when you're living through it, you are, you, you really have insight to what's going on in the case more so than anybody that's never experienced that because it is a completely different animal when you get in there. And, and I, and I know you've, you've like broached the subject a lot on your podcast, but it's, you have to be prepared. And I usually tell my, my clients, you got to get a therapist too, because the lawyer is not the therapist. No, no, we (laughs) don't know. And none of that comes with the law degree. None of it comes with a law degree. And we don't have time because we're wrestling with this, you know, lion over here. And that's the person that's where our focus is, is always, you know, keep in, keep in your lane and remember what the game is. And, you know, and, and be prepared, be prepared to have them throw you off, off kilter because that's their job. And so I never lose sight of the fact that that is their pathology. That's who they're, they are. And, you know, they're not going to change course just because they're in litigation. And the other thing that I really, really stress to clients, that's funny is you, you do mediation, but I will tell them we have got to mediate. <laughs> we have got to mediate because we don't want it to go to trial. These guys will push everything to trial because that's fun for them. You know, it's, it's fun for them. They've already conned the judge, you know, they can't wait to get you on the stand. They, they can't wait to bomb you with like, you know, evidence, some of it, most of it irrelevant, you know, but, and you lose control at that point. And that is where they want you. They're used to destabilizing you. They're used to, you know, being in charge. I mean, that's who they are. And it's a yeah. game to them. Everything in the psychopath and sociopath's world is a game. And it's usually like a chess game. And so when I tell them, I said, you know, you will be ahead of the game if you mediate. You mediate, you go to a private mediator, um, it's worth every penny. You walk in there and you make sure that you sign the agreements before you leave. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. So they will change their minds. Right? No yeah. backpedaling. That is finality. That is control. That is having a third party in there. I mean, there's so many ways of, of outsmarting the sociopath and psychopath. But if you don't know who you're dealing with, and, and many people don't, you're going to be sucked right into that vortex. And, you know, and then the, I, the name of the game also is draining the bank account. Right. I mean, that's what these guys do. And trial will do it. Yeah. They'll drain the bank account, take them, take you to trial, distract with unnecessary issues. I mean, it's, it's really a, uh, a litigation strategy and it's, it's so important. And that's, that's how you get the upper hand. Oh, and I did want to mention one thing too, that one of the really great ways of figuring out whether you're in a relationship with a sociopath or a narcissist, because they're all narcissists, is the pity game. The minute that they start, um, <laughs> you probably have heard stories about where the psychopath particularly will always have some kind of injury. They'll either be wearing a neck brace, they've had knee surgery, they're limping, they're like, yeah. whatever it is, right? And it's all fake. But they do that to gain the, the sympathy and the pity of the victim. That is a huge red flag. So the minute that you're in a relationship with somebody, pay attention to that because it's tugging on your empathetic heartstrings, right? Like, oh, you poor thing. Let me help you. 
Let me help you. Let me give you money for that. Let me uh, buy you groceries and do all your shopping and do blah, blah, blah. Let me clean your house for you. Let me do all these things. Let me take care of your kids because you're wounded and you're hurt. And so that's like the huge red flag for that, the pity play. And it's, it seems to be pretty consistent across the board. That's um, now I'm thinking of relationships in my past (laughs) that have run down some of these roads. I think that's so true. I love that you said, you know, mediation is actually a tool. Um, So many people think, and there's still sort of that outdated advice that a lot of attorneys give is you can't mediate with a narcissist or a high conflict personality or person who exhibits those behaviors. You absolutely can. You need a very good mediator. I mean, your average everyday mediator, it's just like you said, you have to educate the judge, right? Your mediator needs to be educated on what they're dealing with too. But your point about the courtroom as well, the courtroom's like a stage for them. They they love it. They they're there. They get to play it out and, and be the, whatever the persona is. Um, and I've seen this in, in my many years in court, I can only imagine what you have seen being both in criminal court and family, family courts. These are some, some great tips. I was going to say you have a number of, I I read some of the titles of some of your television appearances, but you have some amazing titles for all of your many books. Um, I wanted to read a couple of them for people. And I'm suspecting that if people read these books, they're going to get a few tips and hints on what it looks like to be a psychopath or a sociopath or, or that. So we have Aurora, the psychiatrist who treated the the movie theater killer, tells her story. Running with the devil, the true story of the whoops, my my print didn't come out of the ATF's infiltration. Oh, the ATF's infiltration of the Hell's Angels, the last Chicago boss, my life with Chicago Outlaws Motorcycle Club, and a socialite scorned. I mean, you've got. You've got some great titles here. Um, Where can people find out more about you and more about the books? They can go to my website, carriedrobin.com. They can go to Amazon. All the books are on Amazon. (laughs) Yeah. In in fact, it's funny you mentioned uh, Socialite Scorn. That was a, a, a really fun book for me to write because it was literally taking two sociopaths, uh, a man and a woman both murderers and pitting them against each other. And they had this incredibly interesting, very long relationship. And so that book really delves into the mindset of two sociopaths. And and I just, I really, I really found it fascinating, you know, not only how they conspired and plotted to murder the victim, but how they were bound together for years um, just in their own sick prisons, you know, how they had like, like rigged this whole thing and, and wound up tied together um, in, in conspiracy. Well, I, I'm, I'm ordering that one, or I'm going to put it on my Christmas list since we're taping this just before Christmas. That one sounds, I mean, they all sound really interesting. I was telling you before we started taping, I'm a huge crime junkie fan. I love true crime um, podcast. That one, by the way, sounds like a fabulous true crime podcast. You might think about turning that into a podcast. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation. And I know, you know, for many listeners, this is not a laughing matter. This is not a lighthearted matter. This is life and death in many cases. And this information 
is really a lifeline for people because the other thing that we know when you're involved in these relationships is they are crazy making. You think you are going insane because your reality does not match with what your gut is telling you. And, you know, that's the whole wasn't gaslighting just named the word of the year by Merriam Webster, but it's very true. And so if you heard something in this podcast that rings a bell for you or that resonates for you, reach out for help. There's a number of, of episodes on the podcast. I'll link to a bunch of them in the show notes, but, you know, get Carrie's books, read through those so that you start to see, because the one thing that we do know very often about people at least with personality disorders, is they have behaviors that are repetitive. And once you start to understand those behaviors, uh, you, you can start to recognize not only what's happening, because that sounds very, very difficult and murky here, but also how to, to manage those behaviors. So there's so many, and your helpful tips on, on just you know strategy, strategy, strategy. Don't go into this and think that it's going to be you know, like any other divorce or like an average divorce. This is, this is from day one, you are, you are in a fight of your life. Yeah. Yeah. You really are. It's a, it's a survival and, and a thrival. I call it, you know, you have to learn how to thrive afterwards too. You know, there is life after. Well, you know what? That sounds like a fantastic second episode. So I'll reach out and maybe we can talk about how to heal and move forward after you find yourself on the other side. Um, And if you can move forward, because in some of these situations, unfortunately, as you said, stalking and um, some of these behaviors, it's very hard to, to get away even when a divorce is final. So Carrie, thank you so much for coming on and joining me today. I've really, I found this really eye-opening, even though I've been in this field for 32 years, you, you have a very um, interesting internal perspective and I so appreciate your sharing it with my listeners. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond.